we are in a series called Change Your World, and we're looking through what it means to make a difference and how that looks in our life. Our, um, our theme verse that we're talking about throughout this series is from Matthew chapter 5 in verse 14, and we're just going to go there right now. It simply says, you are the world's light. Why don't you say that with me? Light. A city on a hill glowing in the night for all to see. So don't hide your light. I love that. That's what this series is all about. So don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your deeds, let your good deeds do what? Let them glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. So we could live such a life, Jesus says, that when people look at us, they'll say, well, what is going on with these people? I am gonna I want to know what they are doing. I want to glorify their, that my Heavenly Father. I want to find out what that is all about. Well, we, I love this scripture because I believe this shows us the type of church that we're called to be. We're called to be a church of action. We're, spoke, we're called to be uh, not just a church of talk, but a church that actually does something. A church of action, a church that's really glowing in our world, in our city, in our friendships, and in all of our life. That we're called to make a difference and get in the game. I don't know what your favorite part of football is. If you don't like football and you live in Knoxville, I feel sorry for you. Because this is like Saturdays around here, it's just all orange. And if you're not a UT fan, then, you know, God bless you. Uh, but the rest of us, we won yesterday, and we were happy about that. That was awesome. But uh, I don't know what your favorite part of football is. I played football all through middle school and high school. But um, my, my favorite part, you know, is I was a, I was a, I was a lineman, and I love playing defense. And right before the quarterback throws it, you know, it's just that sack. It's the, it's the awesome. It, I love it. I love a good football play. It's, it's exciting. But... Um, I don't know what your favorite part is, but it's probably not the huddle. Like, I don't think anyone shows up on Saturday saying, man, I just cannot wait. I love that part where they all just kind of put their arms around one another. You know, and I just wonder, what are the, you know, the, the quarterbacks just whispering, you know, their whole, I, that's my favorite part. You know, I just love it. And could you imagine what it would be like if football was all about this, about the huddle? So they came and they huddled together, and then after the huddle, it's like a one, two, three, break, and then... They all ran back to the sideline, took off their helmets, you know, down the Gatorade, gave each other high fives, right? And then instead of running the play, they go back out on the field again, and then they just, you know, call another huddle, and then, you know, and then they go back to the stands again. And how many knows 102,000 people would not pay to watch a huddle, right? Why? Because they came to watch the game. They didn't, the, the huddle is necessary, the huddle's important, but the huddle's not the game. The huddle is just what gives direction for how to play and how to, how to do and how to, how to do what the coach says. And I want to tell you, Sunday is a huddle. This is not the game. What happens in these four walls is wonderful and it's very necessary. But you know what the world and what God is looking for? It's looking for people that would be willing to get out of these four walls and a church that's willing to get out of these four walls, go into our city to the lost, to the broken, to the people that need Jesus and actually run the place that's called on a Sunday, somebody. You see, I'm tired, and I believe the world's tired, and I believe, I believe the world around us is just sick and tired of Christians that are so proud of huddling together. See, we compare. Our huddle's better than your huddle. Our huddle's bigger than your huddle. Our quarterback is better looking than your quarterback. 
Somebody better say that about this. No, I'm just joking. No, but you say, you know, this, you know, our quarterback's better. Our music's better. You know what? All that's good and wonderful. But you know what matters most? Not how good the quarterback is. Not how great the band is. But the best thing is we got to get on the field and we got to play the game and make a difference. Somebody, amen. You can clap. That's okay. It won't kill you. It's all, it's all good. <laughs> but you know what? We're called to make a difference. And I believe we're supposed to be fired up about that. Because you know what? Our God was fired up about that. He came so that we could make a difference. And I know what you're thinking because it's what I think. Well, that's great preaching, preacher, for all of the influencers out there. Yeah, I know we're called to change our world, but, but isn't that for all the you know, rich people and pol politicians? And you know, we watch those people on television. It's for all the famous people. They're the leaders. It's, it's for the mayors and the principals and the pastors. And it's for all of the other people in our world. And what I want to do today is just be very practical from the scripture. And what I want to show you is I want you to recognize that you don't have to wait till another time or season of your life to make a difference. As a matter of fact, God has uniquely placed you in your world so that you can make a difference. God, I want to help someone recognize their own influence. I want, see, most of us, we walk into a place like this thinking, my life, you know, I'm just kind of going through the motions. Maybe you had a busy week. Maybe you're dealing with problems at work. Or maybe you're in a season of financial difficulty. And, or maybe your kids are going through things or you're married. And we just kind of walk in with all kinds of burdens. And we think, man, I am not someone who can make a difference. And, and I want to share with you today that you're exactly who God wants to use to make a difference. Like you are exactly at the perfect place where God has placed you for a reason and for a purpose. And I want to show you that I'm so excited about this. Can you tell? Like, this is, this is really good. I, I, came to, I want to tell you about one word today. Like, just one word. I want to share one word with you. But this one word is in the middle of a Bible story that if I didn't tell you this story, I wouldn't even, you couldn't even call me a preacher because it's like one of the greatest preacher stories in all the Scripture. It's the story in Acts chapter 16 of Paul and Silas breaking out of jail. So I want, I want to, we're going to walk to one scripture and literally one word, but, but it's just too good not to talk about it a little bit today. And so, so let's go in the scripture and hopefully we're going to begin to see what God's called us for and see what God's called us to do in, the, in, Acts, in Acts chapter 16. Before we go there, before we go there, I want to show you one thing. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Um, to, we, we talked about a church of action. We talked about being a group of people that don't just talk about it, but actually go out and make a difference. Well, I, as a church, we want to give um, we want to give you an opportunity to tangibly do this. We, we're doing this series called Change Your World, and we're talking about making a difference. And on Sunday, December sixth, we're going to be having our first annual impact offering. And what this is, this is a Sunday where every, every aspect, every part of this offering that's taking up, taken up here on Sunday morning is going to be giving out, given out to local charities in our city that are making a difference during this holiday season. This, as you probably well know, at the end of the year, it's very important um, for making budget for nonprofits and charities and feeding people during the holiday season and all these things. So we want to be a church of action. We don't want to wait till five, we're five years old or ten years old. We want to go ahead and begin to have a culture of generosity right now where this offering whatever and I, here's what I want you to pray if, if, 
I just want to pray, first of all, Lord, would you have me be a part of this? And if so, what would you have me to give on that day? And that's the only thing I ask for you to do. I'm not asking, we're not going to take pledges. We're not going to say, what could you give in a year? Just, just ask what the Lord puts on your heart. It's all going to be given away in our community to make a difference. And I just want to make you well aware of that, that December 6th, we're going to have our first annual impact offering. And my, my prayer is that this could grow every year to the point where when the first of December comes as a church and as a body, we're giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars to local charities in our city that are, we're just, we're just showing up with checks that are just blessing people. And everyone looks around and says, I don't know about that church, but you know what? I know, I know that I've never seen anything like it. Like I, they're glowing differently. Like I want to know about their God. So we want to begin to start that. And that's December the 6th. And then in that same vein, the next Saturday, I don't know why. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the next Saturday. Thank you, James. The next Saturday, December 12th, we're going to be having a serve Saturday, which is that on, uh, on that following Saturday, we're going to organize around that, those charities or charity that we give th- that offering to, and we're going to go on that Saturday, and we're going to serve them. We're just going to serve our city, and we're going to get outside of these four walls and go make a difference, somebody. We're going to call the play, and we're going to go and do it in Jesus' name. All right, Acts chapter 16. Let's go there. The Bible says, Once when we were going, this is Paul and Silas talking, we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners, for her owners by fortune-telling. Next verse, 17. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these, men's, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. So, so this lady is just heckling Paul and Silas. They're going about doing the ministry, and this lady just starts heckling them um, with what they're doing. So so starts bugging them. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed, watch this, that he turned around. Paul was a bad dude, by the way. He turned around, and he said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, command I, I command you, come out of her. At the moment, the Spirit left her. So he just he, he was bad all by himself. He just said, In the name of Jesus, get out. So the Spirit left. And when her owners realized that her hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And verse 20 says, They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar. Don't you love that? Verse 21, By advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Hashtag bad day. Very bad day. 23. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. And the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Verse 24. When he received these orders, he put them into the inner cell. So this, this even gets worse. He put them into prison and he's in the, they're in the inner cell. And he fasted their feet in the stock. So very bad day. Bad things happen in their life. They're doing the good work of God and People get mad and they get put in jail. And they're not just in jail, they're in the inner jail. It just keeps getting worse. But the next verse says, verse 25, and about midnight. See, this is where the good preaching comes in. And about midnight, in the darkest of the night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. If I had a B3 organ up here, I'd really be preaching right now. It says, Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. So in the middle of the night, whenever they shouldn't have been worshiping, they begin to worship and praise God. How many know that you can have such an experience with Jesus that your world around you does not determine what God is doing inside of you? 
Like that truly greater is he that's in me, in you, than he that's in the world. Like you cannot mess with me, devil. You can throw me in prison, but I'll just keep on praising God. So the other prisoners, they weren't just doing it quietly there. They were, they were yelling. They were loud. Other prisoners were listening to them. They were hearing them. And then the next verse says in verse 26, And suddenly there was a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open. I love this. Everyone's chains came loose. So when Paul and Silas got freedom, they didn't just get freedom by themselves. God gave all the people around them freedom, so much so that whenever God sets you free, he actually sets free other people in your world because of your testimony. It's awesome. And that's a whole other message. Not really, kind of what we're talking about today, but I'll leave that for another day. 27, the jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and he was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer, he was just about to commit suicide and Paul said, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait just a second. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, watch this. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You're living such a life, such a miraculous, different life than everyone else around. Like, I want your God. Like, what do I need to do to do that? Like, like you're glowing so much that I want to glorify your Father that's in heaven. I, wanna, I want what you have, Paul and Silas. And then the next verse says, this is what I want to talk to you about today. This is in your notes. I put it in your notes. This is how Paul responds to this jailer. He says, that he said, what do I need to be, do to be saved? I want your God. I want to have what you have. And it says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But it doesn't end there. It says, you and your whole household. And if, you, if you're taking notes today, underline that or circle that, star that, because... It's a big deal in the scripture because what Paul is saying is that whenever you, like jailer, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter how many problems you have. It doesn't matter that, that you don't know about this thing. Maybe you come in here today and you're not like a Christian person. You don't know all this stuff about, you know, the Bible and you can't quote the Bible or all these things. That's okay. The jailer would have identified with you. He was someone who didn't have some super background in, in church or in God. But just in one moment of coming to Jesus, Jesus received him. He said, hey, all you got to just come to the Lord and you'll be saved. Like anybody and everybody can be saved. I'm thankful that God, that invitation is still open today for anyone and everyone. Doesn't matter how bad your past is. It doesn't matter how many mistakes that you've made. It doesn't matter what you, you say, I don't even know. It do, that doesn't matter in here, just like in this situation. There was fresh hope for them, just like there's fresh hope for you. And what's the hope? The hope is Jesus. Come to Jesus. But watch this. He said, you'll be saved and your whole household will be saved. Well, at face value, it actually looks like he's saying that if you get saved like your mama and your daddy and your brother and your sister, they all get saved automatically too. Well, we know that that's not theologically correct because our salvation has to do with us and Jesus alone. It's not God doesn't have grandkids. I'm not saved because my grandmother was saved, right? 
But what is he talking about? Well, whenever you look at the word, I, I love from time to time looking at kind of the meaning of some of the words in the scripture. The New Testament was actually written in Greek and Aramaic. And this is a Greek word that's the word oikos. If you're somebody who likes to study that stuff, it's just simply spelled O-I-K-O-S. And the word oikos does not literally mean your house or, or, or where you live or those who, under your roof. It literally means your circle of influence. It literally means influence. Like, so what he's saying, he said, Jailer, you come to Jesus and he, he's going to save you. But not just that, he has the desire to make a difference in all the people that you influence. Your salvation, Mr. Jailer, is not for you. Not just for you. Your salvation is to make a difference in your household. In your sphere of influence. Like right where you are right now, jailer, God wants to make a difference in the lives of people around you. And I, I want to show you just some very practical things today, hopefully to help you identify what these, who these people are that are in your sphere of influence. The first of all, the first, here's the, here's the first way we can start thinking about it. Here's the first one, my people. My people. That each and every one of us have people in our lives that God has placed there for a purpose. Most sociologists say that we have 12 people, every person in this room has 12 people in your sphere of influence. And how they define that is that there are 12 people that you spend more than an hour with on a personal level throughout a week's time. So if you spend more, an hour, more than an hour with some, not just in a meeting at work or or, or, but, but, but you spend a personal hour with someone, they would say that that is a person in your sphere of influence. And it's amazing. Millionaires, billionaires, homeless people on the street, every, um, per, every, every type of person, the average person has about 12 people in this circle. There are, and I want you to think, who are the people in my life that I am around? Who are the people that, that, that God has placed in my life? On a side note, um, whenever I was studying this, I saw where the average father spends about seven minutes a day with his, with his children. So if you take seven times seven, uh, it's not even an, a full hour that the average father spends with his child. So the average parent or father would not be in his own kid's circle of influence. And that's, that's a whole other message for another day. But I just want us to think, who are we spending our time with? What has, who has God put in our life. Mark chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, Go home and tell your family and friends. In other words, this thing starts where you are. This starts right where you are in your home. Like who's in your circle of influence? What are their names? Your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your co-workers. What are those people? What is their name? He says, Go home and tell your friends. What do you tell your friends, Jesus? Tell them how they're going to hell. <laughs> Where I grew up, that was a two-syllable word, hail. It says, tell them turn or burn. Tell them get right or get left. You know, he says, tell them what the Lord has done for you. In other words, don't go into your world shouting about what everybody else needs to do. Just go to your world saying, hey, here's what the Lord has done for me, and look at the mercy he's shown on me. It's about what God has done in our lives, not about how everybody else needs to change and the world's so bad and everybody and all these political issues. No, God's done a work in my life. Here, here's the next aspect is my place, my place. So my people 
and my place? Who are the people in my life? And then where is the place that God has put me? See, I want to tell somebody, God's put us here in this city in Knoxville for a reason and a purpose right now. Whether you like it or not, God has placed us in this place for a reason. It's not an accident that you're here in college. It's not an accident that your job moved you here. It's not an accident that your family is from here. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, I want to show you in the scripture. God says, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history. So it's not an accident that you're born when you were born and you live today in the boundaries of their lands. In other words, where you are is no accident, is no reason. See, you're not where you are just to make a living. Your, your, your neighbors aren't your neighbors by accident. They're your neighbors for a reason. Your coworkers aren't your coworkers for an accident. Your coworkers are there for a reason. Like... Like you're not just going through your days just haphazardly, but you have a God that planned all of this out. I, I, I want to say this today. Your vocation is your ministry location. Your vocation is your ministry location. So like where you are, like that's where God has placed you to make a difference like where you are, you're not just making money, you're making a difference. Like that's what God wants you to do. You're called to make a difference where you are. And I want this to be a prayer that we pray over ourselves in Psalm chapter 90, verse 17. It says, may the favor of the Lord rest on us. Like where we are, like that my workplace would be different because I'm there. Establish the work of our hands. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Let there be something about the way that we live that it impacts the other people around us. In my place, my place, my place. When I think about this, I can't help but think about my grandparents, my mom's parents. They, uh, they, my, my grandfather got a job as the custodian of uh, uh, my elementary school. So my first year of kindergarten, my grandfather... Uh, started working at a uh, at the school as a custodian, and uh, so so I went my whole elementary school, you know, with my grandfather being at school with me. And then my grandmother, she worked in the in the lunchroom, and then she was a seamstress on the side. She'd fix dresses and and fix clothes for people. And um, and and I cannot, as I was thinking about this, you know, I was I was thinking about my grandparents, and I can I rode the bus going to school in the morning. So can I get a What's up from a bus rider out there? Anybody ride the bus? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you rode the bus and ate. Nobody packed your lunch. You ate the school lunch and you brought an extra quarter for the milk. You know, the extra milk. There we go. Um, but, but I'd ride to school. And I can't tell you how many mornings I'd see my grandparents walking around the elementary school. And they, were, they weren't just walking for exercise. They were walking and they were praying over that school. And they were praying God's favor on it, and they were praying for the teachers, and they were praying for me, and they were praying for the other kids. And, and they were walking around, and they were praying for, for God to do a work in their school. You know what? It, it wasn't the most glamorous jobs that they had. It wasn't that they had the most high-paying jobs in the world. But what did they do? They realized that their world was not, they were not at that school by accident. And for over 25 years, they spent day after day walking around the, in that school and praying and even to the point where whenever we started meeting in this school my grandmother called me one time and said I believe Brandon that God all the prayers that we prayed over that elementary school that it's going to even transfer all the way to Knoxville and you're going to be meeting right there in that school and God's going to do some of the things that we prayed about all the way in Kentucky right there in that city 
What is that? That's a group of people. That's two people that realize I'm not here by accident. Like, it's not the greatest job on the face of the earth, but you know what? They, act, they, they believed it was the moment for them, and I believe every one of us looked in. If we could look at our world, we'd say, I wish this about my job could change. I wish that about, and I wish I had a different boss, and I wish this, and I wish that, and I wish I had more money. But what would happen if we walked in saying, you know what, God, you've placed me here on purpose to make a difference in my world. And then the third thing that God's put in us is our passion. Our passion. My passions. Like, like God has given you passion for certain things. And God's given me passion for, like you see the world with, through your passions. Like if you came in here and you had the gift of serving, you walked in, you're like, oh, we need to straighten some chairs. Like I noticed a chair that's one, you know, one chair out and you have that OCD-ness about you and that's okay and, we, and we'll, we'll forgive you about it, but it's all right. Like we all still love you. And, but, but, but maybe you have the gift of hospitality or serving and hospitality and you walk in and you see somebody sitting by themselves and you think, oh, that's just terrible. I have to sit by them. I have to talk to them. Or, or maybe you have the gift of leadership and you're thinking, man, we got to organize this better. We got we to figure out a way to read, like, like how has God made you and he made you that way for a reason like that's part of your that's part of who you are Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 this is so good it says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart I'd always thought this meant that like if you gave your life to God he'd give you what you wanted <laughs> but I don't think that's what it's talking about I believe it means if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the want. Like, He will put desires in you for a purpose. Like, there are some of you, you're just drawn to missions work. Like, you are drawn to it when you pray you pray for a nation, you pray, like you're burdened for that thing. Or maybe when you pray, you're praying for something in our city. Or, or you pray and you pray for, for a certain aspect. Maybe it's broken marriages. Maybe it's kids. Maybe it's families. Maybe it's, I don't know what, maybe it's fitness. Maybe you want to help people get healthier. I don't know what it is that God has put in you. But it's not by accident. Like God put it in there for a reason. And I believe that if we could mobilize that, we could change the world. I believe the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. Like if, if we could get your passion work with my passion and her passion working with this passion, if we could all do what God has put in our heart to do, then we'll change the world. That's why we have the growth track. It takes, we have it every Sunday, um, Sunday afternoon at 5 p.m. in our office complex, about five minutes from here. And what we do in the growth track is we try to help you identify your purpose. We try to help you identify the passion, the spiritual gifts, what God has called you to do. Why? Because I would never want us to be a church that's just all driven by the passion of me and one person. Like me, well, here's what I want to do. Let's all, you do this and you do it. Even though it's not your passion, I want you to do it. And you do it and you do it and you do it and you do it. No, it's always been my dream. What would it look like if we were a church that was built on the passion of thousands of people that God had put unique dreams and talents and abilities and as a church body, we can help you discover that and we can get behind you and say, good job, you go do it. You go change the world. You go to that nation. You go to that broken marriage. Hey, you go over here to that school and reach that child. You go here to that broken family. You go make a difference in your world with your passion. And that's my prayer. So how do we do this? I want to get even more practical. and I want to give you three things, and I want you to write them down um, today. Three things that you can do like the moment you walk out of this place. Three things that you can do to make a difference today before 
you even go any further. Before you get to the, the restaurant, hallelujah, you can begin to do these things. Here's the first way we can change the world, through our manner. Through our manner. Like the way, you know, like, when I think of that word, I think of my mom said, mind your manners, right? <laughs> and now I say that to my three-year-old son before I drop him off to preschool, you know. Things I thought I would never say, but now I say them. Mind your manners. What, what, is, what, is, what do I mean by that? I mean that there is a way that in which we can live that I believe that, 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 that it makes other people around us, it makes Jesus more attractive to them. That, that we can live in such a way that, that other people say, man, these people, there's something different about them and I want to be a part. I don't want to embarrass them today. I asked permission to be able to talk about them a little bit, but... But, but, uh, but Kenneth is my buddy. Kenneth is one of the custodians here at the school, and, and Kenneth has been coming, and he's been such a helpful guy. He's been helping us uh, with all of our setup and our baptisms and all these things, but he's, he's hired by the school, and he comes, and he, and he helps us, and he serves. And Well, over the last couple of weeks, I kind of noticed him coming in, and last, last Sunday, I was playing guitar, and I opened up my eyes, and I saw, I saw a hand up. I saw him singing with us and worshiping a little bit, and last, this past week, I was looking through connection cards, and, and Kenneth, and I asked them permission of this, but Ken and Kenneth put on his paper, uh, on his connection card, that he gave his life to Jesus Christ last week, and, and, and I was so just rejoicing for what God's done in Kenneth's life, and, and, uh, and, here's, and here's, the, here's the thing about it, here's what I was thinking about it, if you guys weren't nice to Kenneth, I doubt he would be in this room right now, he's just right back there, he wouldn't be here if someone wouldn't have had some manner about them that said, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be compassionate, I'm going to take a moment to shake this guy's hand. I don't know who he is, but you know what? You may have not even known he was a custodian. But somebody showed him kindness so much that it drew him in to the presence of the Lord. And what would it look like if we did that in every aspect of our life? Like we shared that with other people, and I know what you think. Oh, and that's not me. I, I got an attitude. Like that's not. That's not. I can't do that. Like my life's too messed up. I I, I cannot get all of that together. I, I'm just rude. I, I know it, and I, that's why God can't use me. Well, well, well. well I I want to tell you that everything changes whenever you start stepping up. Like I'll tell you what changes so much in my life. Whenever uh, Kara and I, for example, whenever we commit to teach a, a small group, we do a small group on Wednesday nights for couples and, and people that for parenting, and we, we watch videos about how to parent God's way and all that stuff. And, and I want to tell you, if you want to you work on your manner and, and, and dealing with this aspect of your life, just step up and lead something. Like, like, say, like, like make the decision, I want to be you know, a small group leader. Like I'm going to step up and do something out of my comfort zone. And I promise you, here's what's going to happen. About 30 minutes before the small group happens, you're going to have the biggest fight of your life. Like you're going to be arguing back and forth, you know, and all this stuff. And, and, and maybe before it go on for days, right? And then, but you know, people are coming over in like 30 minutes. <laughs> so what do you do? What do you do? You, you, you say, baby, we cannot, like we got we to gotta get this right right now because we got people coming over and this is just, and here's what we do all the time. This is just the enemy trying to keep us from making a difference and making an impact. You see, if we just sit back and don't try to make a difference, then we can just let all these things go on. But if we'll step up and say, you know what? Yeah, I'll be involved. Yeah, I'll come and, and hand out a worship guide and welcome someone to church. Or I'll come watch, a, watch, and watch one of the kids in kids' ministry and teach them about who Jesus is and share the gospel with our kids. If you'll step it up, I promise there'll be something in you that the enemy will fight, but you'll say, uh-uh-uh, I'm not going to go down that route because I am going to make a difference. Like people are depending on me. There's kids that are depending on me to hear about Jesus. 
So I can't let it keep me from coming to church. Why? Because i got to make a difference. I love it. Here's the second aspect is our moment. Our moment. Our moment. Like that God has put us at the intersection with other people. God's put us and given us a moment to make a difference. Like that there are divine appointments in our life. And here's what I want to challenge you to do. Realize that you're not living your life by accident. Like the people you meet are not by accident. Um, we, we, when, whenever we moved here, my dad told me, he said, Brandon, whenever you move to Knoxville, realize that you're not going to meet anybody by accident. Every person you meet is intentional. Like it's a reason. And, and, and I, honestly, I don't think I ever had lived my life that way. But of all the things, that was on my mind every day. Like, God, like every day, it's, it's not an accident that I meet the people that I meet. And not long after I moved here, um, we, I was just going about the day and going about my day. And I went and I bought a camera. And I met, a good, I, met, I met someone there that was selling me the camera. And his name was Chris. And Chris and I became good friends. And, and, and we would spend time together. And, and uh, he, he knew all about cameras. And, I, and I, I thought I knew about cameras. But then I realized I didn't know anything like what he knows. And he taught me so much about it. And we became good friends. And finds out through our friendship that he had a, he had a, a beautiful uh, lady that, he had, that was going to be his fiance Had just become his fiance And they were looking for someone to do their wedding ceremony. So he asked uh, me if I would do it, and so Kara and I began to get to know them, and then they came to a they came to a, an interest hangout for the church, and, and and hung out, and we just just developed a friendship and a relationship, all from a meeting at a Best Buy, and and, and just just a happenstance appointment at a Best Buy, and then and then Chris came and helped video on launch day for the church, and then um, then came back and. And, uh, and, then, and then I had the privilege of, 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 of doing the wedding uh, this past week. And, and, then, and then just two weeks, three weeks ago, Chris came up to me and said, man, I want to be water baptized. And, and uh, I, Chris is sitting on the second row right here. But I want to show his picture right here. This is Chris getting water baptized just a couple weeks ago. And, uh, and he's right here. He's awesome. Uh, him and Ashley, they're newlyweds. Give them a hand. They're awesome. Um, Here's what I want to tell you. We met at a Best Buy. <laughs> and that's not like, like God put all of us together for a reason. Like there's a moment. Like you're going to meet a server today at that restaurant and it's not by accident. Like God has put you there. And I'm not saying everybody, like you need to go baptizing everybody you meet. That's not what I'm saying at all. But here's what I'm saying. That, that, that here's what you are called to do. Just share the love of Jesus with everybody you meet. Hey, that's it. If it becomes a friendship and, and, and something where you share more, and they praise God. But if not, at least you're able just to show somebody love and realize there was a moment that God had created you for to make a difference in your world. Psalm chapter 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. <laughs> like your life today is ordered. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, In his heart... A man plans his course. Like, here's what I'm going to do this week. Tuesday, I'm going to do this. Wednesday, I'm going to do this. But the Lord determines his steps. God, help us to live a life that can be willing to be interrupted by other people. Like, let us be willing to be interrupted for what Jesus died for. He died for people. That's what matters. Like if you t could take all the world, all the gold, all the diamonds, all the silver, all the whatever, and put it on a scale, the world itself, 
And then on the other side of the scale, you could just put one person. One person. The Bible says that the scale, the person would tip the scale every time. Because that's what matters to God. People. People is what matter to God. I want the devil to get nervous every time somebody from City Hills walks out of their front door in the morning. I want him to be, oh my goodness, they're up again. Like, so we're living with so much purpose that we are just, he's nervous that we're going to love somebody. We're going to share the gospel with somebody. Like, he's nervous because we're living with so much purpose. See, he wants you to think somebody else will do it. But God wants to show you you have influence today. And here's the third thing, and I'll be done, is our message. Our message. We have a message that makes a difference. And the message is not, you're going to go to hell. The message is not, turn or burn. The message is, this is what Jesus has done in my life. It's a reconciliation message. It's a message that says that, you know what, Jesus has paid for your sins and you don't have to go living your life anymore without purpose. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I want to challenge you and think through it this week. Be, willing, be able to tell your testimony in three minutes or less. Just be able to tell anybody that you meet what Jesus has done in your life. I grew up in church. I, I, from the moment I was six, from the time I was six days old, I, I missed about about two Sundays until I was twenty years. I, I just lived at the church. But you know what? Even though I was there, my heart was so far from God. Until one day, as a teenager, I began to understand Jesus didn't come so that I could practice a religion for Him, so that so I could have a relationship with Him. And it changed everything with me. And I actually met Jesus, not just the church. I met Jesus and he changed my life. He gave me purpose. He gave me meaning. Tell your story. That's my, that's a, that's my story in about 30 Be able to tell your story to somebody, what Jesus has done in your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God who, I love this, reconciled. It's like a banking term. It means to bring all accounts to zero. He reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. The next verse goes on to say that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed unto us, what? The message of, hey, World, your account's zero. Like, come to Jesus. You don't have to work anymore. It's not about what you do. It's about this reality. I got a message, and it's the message that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain, but Jesus washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid our debt. That's the message that God has given us. Musicians, you could come. I want to show you something. Before we go, see if I can get this. I don't know if you know this, 
but inside of a glow stick. do this. There we go. Maybe if I could have some help with some lights there. Just turn them all off. There you go. Maybe I want a little bit more, and then I'll turn them off in just a second. There you go. All right, I want you to see this. Inside of a glow stick, I don't know if you knew this. Inside of a glow stick, there is uh, hydrogen peroxide, which is it's what's in the cup there. And then there's a glass tube. And the glass tube is this, um, it's a chemical called phenoxalate ester. And um, you see these two chemicals, whenever they're mixed, there's energy that's produced and reaction takes place. And there's a glow. But they can't be mixed until the ester, let's see if I can do it. You can turn off the lights now. It's broken. In, in us, the heart of a believer, just like in that jailer we read about, there's something in us, in our salvation, that's powerful that when mixed with the love of God and the salvation that God's given us, that it'll glow for the world to see. But we can't glow unless we're first broken for people in our world that don't know Jesus. So the question is, who's in our sphere of influence? Why don't you think of one person or two people or three people that God has put in your world and why don't write down just right where you are I, I just maybe not pray for yourself right now but why don't you just your own heart why don't you just begin to pray for those people we don't have to change the world we just have to change